HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Feed Feed podcast. I'm Alexa Santos. The Feed Feed is the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Here on the podcast, we are speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community to hear their stories, learn about their culinary inspirations, and get some of their best cooking tips. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Natasha Feldman. She is a TV host, recipe developer, and brand new cookbook author. You may know her as Nosh with Tosh. She is a Webby-nominated host known for her YouTube series turned TV show, also called Nosh with Tosh. Natasha is committed to teaching her viewers how to cook and entertain in a non-fussy and fun way. Her cooking style, as she calls it, is West Coast Produce meets East Coast Deli. Thank you so much for being here, Natasha. I'm so excited to chat with you. Hi, thanks for having me. I want to go back to the very beginning. I want to hear about where you grew up and what type of cuisine you grew up eating and what was kind of like your early childhood food memories. You know, I think it's funny that most of the time when I hear that question asked, the response is something that feels so yummy, delicious. Like, you know, I would sit with my grandmother and we would make the matzo ball soup or whatever it is. I did not care at all about food growing up. I, the only way that my parents could get me to eat was if they found something that I liked on the television and they could distract me with it long enough to like get me to put food in my belly. I was just like, not you were just I not, was not a hungry kid. I just like, it was like, I really didn't think about food at all. And I really don't have very many food memories as a kid, except making monkey bread with my teacher in third grade. I think that was the first thing I ever ate when I was like, oh my gosh, some food is so much better than other food. Like it just didn't even occur to me. Um, and then it wasn't until college really that I started loving cooking and loving to like think about food combinations and the storytelling of food and then went to culinary school. But, you know, I grew up half in San Diego and half in Portland, Oregon. And in both places, you know, there's so much access to like delicious seasonal produce um, that I always like 
I, I would always get a little bit excited about strawberries at the peak of season or cherries or this or that, but it was like, you know, nothing compared to how stoked I am now when I like see the new thing at the farmer's market. I don't know. I don't, it was like one day, it was like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and I just like haven't turned back. You know, it's, I don't, it's, it's very strange. <laughs> Well, I love that for you, a real Cinderella story, um, <laughs> like, like a glow up as I mean, I was kind of similar if I'm being honest, like I, I was fascinated with like Food Network and stuff when I was little, but like as a little kid, my grandpa actually used to call me one bite Bertha because I would only take like one bite of things and I was That's such a picky cool. eater. So it's kind of funny to hear you describe that because yeah, if someone asked me that, like, what are my earliest food memories? I'd be like... I don't know. I feel like it was getting bullied by my grandfather for how little I was eating. So, yeah, like, I'm like, I think my my yeah, like my food memories are like, what TV show was I watching? You know? <laughs> no, I feel it's, that it's so strange. It really, and and I think because now I think you and I have the exact same feeling about this, which is like obviously food is such a huge part of our lives. It almost feels embarrassing to admit it, but I think that the more we can just kind of own our story and you can like change and grow and become whatever the thing is, the better off we are. So I was like, should I like make up some story about my relationship with food as a kid? And I was like, no, I can't. That's, that's, I can't, I can't live with that lie. We're just going to let it right. <laughs> no, honesty is the best policy. I appreciate you speaking your truth and <laughs> for fellow picky eater children turned food media professionals, we have our own alliance together. Yes, and we yeah, see you. Our, yeah, you are heard, you are seen. <laughs> exactly. So okay, so you had quite you. The, you had quite the glow up as it pertains to your knowledge and appreciation of food. So when, I guess, how you went to culinary school and then what, how did this kind of evolve from there? Like, what was the whole story? So it actually started, I was a junior in college and I was studying abroad and I really was not, I was studying, I was doing theater in, in London and I realized like very quickly after getting there that everybody else that was in this program was like tremendously talented. And I was like the weird fluke that somehow ended up in this program. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to find some way to like hold my own here because no one's going to like, I, what else am I going to do? So I just started cooking for everyone. So like everybody would be running lines and like really working on their scenes. And I would just be cooking for everyone. I was like, okay, well, this is the role that I fulfill here. And I started making lunches for people and family dinners. And I thought it was really fun. And it was maybe at the, it was the beginning of um, Tumblr. Remember the Tumblr days? What a time to be alive. Like that was, what a time. we, it was a moment that we'll never forget. And we, we learned and we grew from that. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I started, I, 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 you know, I was still, I was still in college and I just started this little silly Tumblr where I would ask people to send in their family recipes and like whatever it is that they can't eat anymore. And I would try to recreate the recipe for them so that they could enjoy it. So, you know, someone's like, my grandma used to make the, I'm, like chicken pot pie and I can't eat gluten anymore. So then I would start like playing with all different kinds of doughs. And then when I got it to a place where I thought it was really tasty, I would send it back and I would just work on these random people's recipes for as long as it took. And I really liked it. Um, but then 
imposter syndrome started setting in and I was like, oh, if I'm, if this is something that I like actually want to do and want to pursue in a real way, I have to go to culinary school or else I just, I just know like personally, I will always feel like I missed out on something that I should have done. So after college, I like went right into it and, and, you know, I, I feel like almost everybody in food sort of has a similar story where it's kind of a, it's kind of like a, a tumbleweed that you just start picking up like other skills as you kind of go. So I did a lot of assisting teaching cooking classes and like watching how people, um, watching how people learn and what people respond to and, and how people are motivated to become better cooks. And then I started doing a lot of food media and culinary producing. And as you sort of like keep doing these these things and food styling, you just start really coming up with this um, this big messy ball that is like who you are in this world. And it kind of all came together in a way that organically made me want to share everything that I know about dinner parties because it's something that at the very beginning of cooking, like when I was you know, at that study abroad program and was teaching people, I was like teaching myself how to cook and feeding all my friends and doing dinners. Like that was kind of the first thing that made me really excited about cooking is putting it in front of friends and like having that experience around a table together. So it's sort of the thing that has been the consistent throughout my whole journey in food. And um, when I got my first apartment in LA, my friend and I would make big themed dinner parties to to movies just for fun and then obviously that became really crazy um and it just i felt like in that period of time we were all so stressed out you know like in our in our first jobs like working mail rooms just doing like all the kinds of work that you feel so uh like at the whims of of the universe right and and, and it was really like a, an amazing bonding experience to just always know that these dinner parties were going to be there for us. And I feel like doing it year after year after year, we've, you know, we haven't really lost people, but you keep adding, you like add significant others, you add new coworkers, you add like a random person somebody met because it was their Uber driver. And our, our community <laughs> has just like kept growing and growing in this really fun way. And I think I attribute it all to like, this habit of dinner party. So when it came to deciding like what the first book was going to be, having sort of accumulated all these different little tidbits of knowledge about food, I was like, well, it has to be a dinner party because that's what started the whole thing. Right. Well, 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 look how it all came together. I love that. What was your favorite? Full circle there. Yes. How was, what was your favorite movie themed dinner party, by the way? Oh my gosh. Well, I have a few. Um, We did Annie Hall and breakfast sandwiches and black and white cookies. Oh, just like a little deli Annie Hall situation. We did Raising Arizona and small Tex-Mex kinds of foods. Um, That was very fun. And we did Spirited Away with bento boxes. Oh, my God. Adorable. Um, We did Godfather with spaghetti and meatballs. We I mean, really there's a lot of them. <laughs> it kind of goes on and on. Yeah, it's like choosing a favorite child. <laughs> you can't like, do it. Uh, some people can. No, no, no. Well, that sounds so cool. And honestly, I feel like it's inspiring me to get more into dinner party mode. You know, I I feel like people kind of assume because I, you know, I work in food media that I 
have this like cooking pedigree where I'm like, you know what? I really have barely ever cooked for strangers, you know, like I cook for myself and my immediate family who's around and then just kind of like the internet, you know, it's not, I don't think I've ever actually hosted a dinner party for people where new people are trying my food and whatnot. It just, for one reason or another, hasn't happened for me. And I feel like it's been on my mental radar for a little bit now where it's like, hey, like, I need to like, actually do this whole dinner party thing. I feel like that's I'm turning 30 in a few weeks. So I'm like, maybe that's what my 30 has in store for me is that I need to actually uh, like evolve into as my Pokemon evolves, I am going into dinner party mode. I think it's your decade of dinner parties. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. I, I feel it for you. <laughs> thank you so much. I am inspired by you and this conversation. Aww. So appreciate what, it. What you said. So, oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> is, you know, sort of like cooking for the way that you phrased it, cooking for strangers is I think so much the way that people feel, even if the person coming over isn't a stranger, there's this like fear of judgment, you know, kind of like you're on your first date, but it can even be a friend that you've known for like two decades. But for whatever reason, when it comes to food, people get, well, I have my theories about why it is, but people get really nervous, like that maybe the dish that you cook is somehow a reflection of who you are as a human. And it's like, when you say it out loud, it sounds insane, but it is like a part of the thought process. And I think the more that we can sort of talk about that and um, lower the stakes and feel okay about making dishes that maybe sometimes are going to be disgusting. Sometimes you're going to burn something, but like people just want to have a good time with you. And I, and being in someone's home, especially having people in your home is like such an intimate thing. And I think that it really makes you feel more confident in your friend group and more confident in yourself. And is just like a big morale booster in a world that is otherwise like, you know, pretty messy. Yeah, no kidding. So is that kind of like the the vibe of your cookbook is kind of taking away that fear and I guess not stigma, but just kind of stress around, you know, kind of like we said, cooking for strangers and having people into your home. Is that kind of like the vibe that you're going for to kind of take away that pressure? Yeah, the whole vibe. Basically, it's like a cookbook that tells you that you don't have to cook, which sounds weird. And as I was writing it, like a part of me was like, can I do this? But here we are. It's coming out in a few days. And basically, the the point is, I want people to have people over like a dinner party is a dinner party because there are people in your space and you're enjoying time together and there is food being put into the mouth. Who makes the food, you know, is a, is a part of your decision. So I think like if you've never had dinner parties and it's something that you want to engage with, a really nice way to do it is to like make a cocktail or a dessert and order takeout or even not make any of the components, but spend 15 minutes cleaning up when you get home from work and order takeout. Like the barrier to entry is so low. And what I try to do in the book is to sort of like show, break down all of those reasons systematically as to why you think you're not a person who can have dinner parties and and get it to a point where you're like, okay, I well, I have no more excuses. And then I think once you feel like you have no more excuses and you do it, that's when you realize that it's something that you wish you had been doing forever. I love that. And you're, you're very well spoken on the matter. So <laughs> clearly you put some thought into this, you know, like you, you had some publishers or a team maybe who were no, just <laughs> the way that the book is formatted. The first 
portion of the book, I'll have to send you one, but the first segment of the book really is all about sort of like breaking down those thoughts, those thoughts that you might have. There's like a flow chart to help you find what you want to make for dinner. And it goes all the way from like, you know, I have five seconds and my fridge, my like oven is actually where my shoes live to, I, you know, have all day and all the cooking tools and, you know, learn to make pasta in Italy. So there's really this like giant scope of who I think the book um, can be for. And, and you can really like find whatever your place is inside of that. And then there's also like menus so that it has suggestions of like what you what you can make to a certain theme, but then also suggestions for like, okay, if you don't want to make half of this, these are the things that are easiest to buy in a store. So it again, just like wants to kind of hold your hand and make sure that you're the dinner party is meeting you where you're at rather than you trying to like square peg round hole yourself into this idea that doesn't work for you. Okay. Love that. I mean, and that seems like exactly what I need as a dinner party novice. And, you know, even even if you're not cooking for, you know, new people or a party or whatever, but even if you're doing like, you know, we've all been in that like cooking Thanksgiving at home situation where you're trying to juggle like, okay, I've got this in the oven. I've got this on the stove. This needs to stay hot. This needs 10 more minutes. You know, that's a very overwhelming thing. And I think what Mm -hmm. you're providing as far as like, ways to tackle that and kind of like take that burden off is super valuable because even if it is just like, you know, a family dinner, but it's got multiple components or whatever it may be, it's definitely, it can certainly be overwhelming. So, um, yeah. And so much of that is just how you orient your time, like things like salad dressings or cutting vegetables. Like there's so much that you can do a day in advance, two days in advance, like when you have 10 minutes And if you kind of start thinking about a meal in sections rather than trying to make it all at one time, it becomes way less overwhelming. And another thing I like to suggest that people think about is temperature. Like you were saying, you know, maybe you have like the turkey in the oven and the stuffing here. And I always try to make sure that whenever like I don't have to have like 18 zillion things that have to be at a certain temperature like ideally you can have like one thing on the stove and one thing in the oven that are temperature sensitive and like everything else I kind of want to not matter otherwise it is it is it's not a struggle but like it's definitely a balancing act and I think especially when you have people over and you want to be available to them and you want to feel like you're like engaged in conversation and not stressed out and not trying to like, you know, bend over backwards doing math problems um, to like, you know, figure out when things have to come out of the oven. It's the more that you can do that and sort of like not self-sabotage from the get-go, the better. Yeah. Well, amen to that. <laughs> and so how does it feel for you to have this going out into the world? I know you've been in this industry you know, for a while and, you know, kind of doing, you know, you've had the YouTube show, your own platform, your own blog, you have all this stuff. But I know for many cooks and chefs and, you know, food media professionals, having that physical book out in the world is such a big moment. So A, congratulations. And B, tell me what that feels like. Thank you. It feels, I mean, 
I'll be, I'll be honest. I feel like we're having a very delightfully honest conversation all all the beginning. You know, I've seen so many videos of people like opening up their books on like Instagram where you, you know, you see them like take the exact knife and open it and they hold it in their arms and just like cry because it's so exciting. I was, I was so excited for that moment. I got the camera. I like turned it on. I was like, yeah, I'm about to have big feelings, big feelings, big feelings. And I opened the box and I look at the book and I'm like, oh yeah, like, I've been working on this book for two years. I know exactly what it looks like. I'm not surprised yeah. at all. And then I just had to like turn the camera off um, and be like, well, that didn't happen. I, I'm so excited, but I'm, and I'm also learning that the things that I thought would excite me are different than what my expectations were. And that there's so much of this journey, much like a dinner party, where I think like the more that you put the pressure on like how you're supposed to feel, how it's going to come out, um, what people are going to take away from it, the the less fun it is. So I'm really just like kind of taking it as it comes. And the part that's been the most exciting by far is I gave it, you know, I have a few advanced copies that were given to people and to like see them already cooking from it is the thing that makes my stomach like flip flop with joy. Um, and it's just, you know, I'm like, even if, you know, if, if 10 people are dinner party converts and dinner party for the rest of their lives, and it's because of the dinner party project, like that will just make me so, 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 so happy. I feel pretty confident about you getting one convert in just me. So <laughs> <laughs> nine down, nine down. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, I mean, it's all like just super real. And I totally know what you're talking about of like that moment where you're like expecting something to feel so huge. And then all of a sudden it happens and you're like, oh, okay, well, I mean, I did work for that. You know, it's like, this is exactly yeah. how is exactly how we drew it up, but it is exciting. Um, yeah. And I think that like the whole, the fact that it's something that seems to be so uniquely you and so like authentically you is very cool. And that it's something, you know, it's nice that you were able to be so real with it and not like pretend that you're, you know, Michelin star, like Danielle Balut. you know what I mean? It's like, Hey, this is yeah, for yeah, real yeah. Folks who, you know, this is for real folks who may struggle or may be afraid of this or may be afraid of that. Like I struggled with this too. You know, I think that that's really important. And even in my journey in food media, I feel like that's been a big part of what's like brought me more joy in this space is being more real about it and not pretending to be something I'm not. So it sounds like without having read the book that that's definitely the vibe that you have. So that's like an accomplishment in and of itself, just to have so much like authenticity with what you're putting out into the world, you know? And I feel so lucky. Uh, My editor at Harper is she, she believed in me so much. She was basically like, go write the book. Like, I'm not going to bother you. You're just going to write it. And then I'm going to like, I'm going to look at it after. And I was so nervous. I was like, but, but I'm never, but, you know, and then I, I went off and did it and came. And, you know, when I, when I submitted it to her, I was like, she, she knew something, you know, so valuable that I didn't yet, which is the more you start having like a, brainstorming melding of minds at the beginning, the harder it is to really make something that feels so you. And she really like let me kind of go as far as I wanted and to play and, and make, you know, illustrations as wacky and, and really have like very specific um, examples of, of like, 
humor that I think are, are funny from like, you know, Seinfeld and the nanny yes. and, and all of these different things that it really just, you know, felt like I was like, it's, it's really just a representation of me. And she was so, so amazing at not only letting me do that, but then like in the edits, stripping away some of the stuff that didn't feel that way and encouraged me to go even further. And I, I'm really, really happy that she knew what I didn't know, which is like one, that I could do it. And two, that the more that nobody else touches it as you're going through it, um, the more it can really feel like your baby. Oh, well, I love that. I mean, and that's, I mean, it sounds like a dream, honestly, that <laughs> you were given that much creative freedom with it. And it just sounds like a super fun situation to like match your personality and your passion and all that. So I, you know, it feels like whoever reads it is going to get like a very good sense of like, who you are as like a person and a cook and an entertainer and all that. So I mean, yeah, I definitely would love to get my hands on it to see what it's all about. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. As the expert dinner party aficionado, without, you know, giving away too much from the book, is there any, like, top number one, like, spark notes tips you have to give to folks who ask you about it? I love spark notes tips. Well, okay, so there are a few things. You know, I think, like, one question people people always want to ask is, like, what's the non-negotiable? You know, if you're going to have a dinner party, there has to be something where it, if, like, someone doesn't do it, you're like, you have ruined the sanctity of the dinner party. And I, I've, like, thought about it enough times where I'm like, okay, there is one. And it's that you have to have toilet paper. Have you ever, like, gone over to someone's house oh, and they're, no. you, you like, you're, you're, like, you finish peeing and then you're like, well what now now I'm just in the bathroom and and then you start like opening the cabinets and you can't and you know I'm like I actually truly think like whatever you want to serve however you want to serve it wherever you want to do that is all fine like paper towels instead of napkins amazing paper plates if like that's what you have time for take out make it you know it's like 
really, I do not have anything to say about like, what's a no, no, as far as that's concerned. But like, when it comes to the bathroom, I'm like, if you don't have toilet paper, don't have people over, you know, like, that's really <laughs> where I draw the line. <laughs> that is so real though. Like that is so important. Um, and you don't want to be yeah. caught embarrassing yourself with that. <laughs> and it's That's more it's like not even embarrassing for the host it's embarrassing for you as the guest to be like excuse me is there any can somebody help me out here but you like text someone from the bathroom like um can someone please <laughs> <laughs> i you know i think that so so really really understanding that the barrier to entry to dinner parties is is only what you put on yourself and that there is a hundred percent a dinner party that is going to work for you. You know, especially the more that you can think about like, well, who am I? What's my lifestyle? What's going to fit within that? And then play with the dinner party around that, you know, like it's a good social experiment for you and your friends. And it's a great way to kind of get to know yourself better also. Um, but you have to have toilet paper, you know, you don't have toilet paper. You can't people over. And Wait. I also, okay. I also, yeah. In the, I, what's another tip that people have? What's, a, what's another one? You've got to give me a genre, a genre of tip. Um, I guess with maybe like portioning perhaps. Ah, great question for anyone that is not like, honestly, if you do not cater for a living, I would never put food on anybody's plate, like family style, a hundred percent of the time. I always put everything in the middle that way. Like if somebody isn't that hungry or if somebody like really likes one thing over another, nobody has to feel like they just have to eat what was put on their plate because it was put there. Everybody sort of has control over their own portions, which is going to make them feel way more comfortable. And then you don't have to worry about like bringing someone this like perfectly plated dish of like cold chicken because you've been working on it, you know, for 15 minutes, like using tweezers to put cilantro leaves down. Um, <laughs> you know, you want it, you want it to feel like really relaxed and, and low maintenance and, and fun. And I think that having like an interactive portion, uh, i.e. everybody kind of pulling from the middle of the table, is a really good way to sort of like bring a vibe and also make your life easier. Well, that's a good one as well. Well, you're chock full of tips as predicted. <laughs> <laughs> I can go all night. Yeah. Well, was there anything else super important to ask about your culinary journey or a uh, passion for dinner parties or cooking or anything that I missed, perhaps? Um, what did you miss? I'm trying to think. What? What else might there be? Well, I guess um, I am going to start a dinner party hotline. It's like a text oh, line nice. where people can uh, ask in questions, submit questions. And I think the more, you know, I, a lot of people, there are a lot of people that I think post recipe videos um, who don't necessarily want to be bothered all the time because that's completely reasonable. I love being bothered. And you can like ask me recipe questions anytime, any day, any holiday. I'm like basically always around. I call myself the Butterball Hotline. Like, at Thanksgiving, oh all of my friends are like texting me the whole day. I have so many like people DMing me that I've never talked to before. And, you know, this community is obviously one that really loves food. And I want them to know that I am um, at their disposal as well. And, you know, anyone that has questions as they're combing through the book, like I'm always available, you know, 
the book is an extension of me and I want people to really be able to have fun and, and have like a sense of freedom with it. And if that means like the, a little bit of extra handholding just by like sending a message, I'm always available for that too. Well, look at you doing the Lord's work for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that is so, it's so fun. fun. Yeah. I mean, I personally like get super overwhelmed with like, A, I feel like that's a very, I don't know, today's day and age thing where like a lot of people are like, hey, yeah, like, sorry, I haven't answered you in a week. Like mental health, not doing great. You know what I mean? Where you just like get so overwhelmed by just like obligations and things to answer and people to be there for, you know, whatever. But it's very refreshing to hear someone with like the exact opposite perspective of just like, I am wide open. Let me know what you need. I am here because you don't you don't hear that all too often. So that is a very valuable thing. (laughs) I completely understand why people feel that way. I mean, burnout is so real. And I think for me, for whatever reason, getting to focus on somebody else's issue or like kitchen dilemma or whatever it is, is very meditative. Like it's like stepping away from your own reality and getting to do something Uh else. Um, you know, and usually it's me being like, well, I guess I'm not finishing my taxes because Betty has a question about her pasta, you know, so for me, it's like really an, an excellent way to just, um, put off stuff to procrastinate and, uh, it really just makes me happy. Hey, maybe that's its own form of therapy in and of itself is like, instead of dealing with my issues, how about, hear me out, I just start answering people's recipe questions. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to tune out and tune into some questions and think about meatballs and, you know, life is good. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, maybe I should give that a whirl because that sounds like a move, honestly. Um, Wow. Well, okay. Lots to think about, lots to contemplate. And I just appreciate you so much for giving me and, you know, listeners this inspiration on dinner parties and food and, you know, how to be there for other people. <laughs> you got a lot of deep perspectives, <laughs> you know, maybe a deeper way of coping. We love that. And yeah, just thank you so much for being here and for sharing all that. It's been a pleasure and a thrill. Yeah. It's been really fun. And, and, you know, just, I can't wait to hear about all of your dinner parties. Yes. I'm sure I can't they're going to be fabulous. One. I'm, I'm nervous, but I think, you know, no, with your guidance, I'll be sure to message you every single question I have, especially yes, if great. I feel like, dealing with stuff I'm like oh this is what Natasha needs she just needs to help me with that you'll yeah, just get yeah. involved with my issues instead <laughs> fabulous Love I cannot that. wait woohoo well thank you so much Natasha my pleasure I look forward to chatting again woohoo Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is The Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur, we would love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed podcast is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.